Shut up and sit down. Hello and welcome to the Futures Focus podcast, courtesy of Prospects 1500. I am your host, Alex Sanchez, and unfortunately today, David Gasper is not with us. However, I have a wonderful substitute co-host. You know him. He's been on the podcast already. His name is Nate Eckert. Nate, thanks so much for coming on tonight. Hey, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. No pressure or anything, but if you do really, really well, we can go ahead and just kick David off. No worries. <laughs> For good. <laughs> um, we have a fantastic show. David, if you're listening, I didn't mean that. We have a fantastic show tonight. We have a very special guest coming on, joining me a little bit later. His name is Tyler Freeman, third ranked prospect by Jim in the Indians system. <laughs> Number one in my Indian system rankings. But Tyler Freeman joined me, and uh, what an interview. I have to say, you guys are going to really, really enjoy it. He is well-spoken. You can tell that young man is going to be a, a superstar. I'm very, very appreciative of him coming on. I have nothing but wonderful things to say about him. So that's going to come up right here after uh, the news and notes. So be sure to stay tuned for that. And then afterwards, you and I are going to get into a little bit of spring training, talk about some of the guys that are moving up our lists and the guys that are moving down our list, even though it is spring training, I think it's still some valuable information that we can gather. So we got all that to get to, but first, uh, how about some news and notes, Nate? Sounds good. All right. So I do owe you guys two weeks worth of news and notes because last week we kind of ran out of time with that jam packed episode. So this week kind of going over the things that we Never got a chance to talk about. And that first one is the Tommy John surgery for former top pitching prospect Forrest Whitley. And we talked a little bit about this last week, Nate, about your fantasy draft that you are commissioning. Mm-hmm. And we were discussing how Forrest, you know, went in the, the 60s or 70s, I think it was, for top overall prospects. But um, I think he's even lower than that, don't you now? Yes, absolutely, especially after this this latest uh, injury that he's going to have to go through. Tommy John is no joke, especially for somebody who has a, a history with injuries. Looking at, you know, I'm just looking at some prospects here. Uh, you know, uh, you could get Forrest Whitley for pretty cheap right now. I, I think, I mean, maybe you don't do it right now when the, you know, the Band-Aid's still on, but in a couple of months, if you wanted to go get him, go for it. But um, I, I, I think he's in the top, maybe the top 200 now, but it's a, it's a shame. He seemed to have such a bright career ahead of him and uh, we're going to have to wait at least two more years to see if he can get back on track. Maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. I don't know. Two years is a long time. (laughs) Indeed. Indeed. Especially after all of the time that it has taken him uh, to get to this point. You're right. You mentioned his struggles. You mentioned his, Oh, he was already having injuries unrelated to the arm. So uh, we'll see what he can do. But again, you're probably not going to be hearing from him too much in the next couple of years. The on to some more positive news here. Of course, spring training is the debut of many prospects and uh, of major leaguers, of course. But one prospect that really garnered a lot of attention, at least in my book, was Sixto Sanchez. He was able to debut no 
nose in terms of health and was touching 100 on the gun. So six, really interesting year ahead of him. I think we, you and I probably both agree that he's a stud dynasty pitcher long term. But what are your thoughts 2021? How, how many innings can we expect from him? What are the Marlins going to do, you think? They're probably going to be a little more conservative than what dynasty managers would want at a six toe. Uh, because he is so young and because he is so dirty and that velocity is so uh, ridiculous, um, he also has great torque and great movement on his on his secondary stuff as well. It, it, we don't want to see another Forrest Whitley type of, uh, of pitcher. You know what I mean? So uh, the, I, I have a feeling the Marlins are going to be a bit more conservative than uh, most managers would like. However, uh, in those outings that he does make, he will be a lockdown stud. Absolutely. And I have to love the last name. I, you know, I'm my uh-huh. over there. Got a <laughs> much different types of Sanchez's, but you know, I think we're a lot the same too. I feel like Indeed. I'm this close to throwing a hundred. This <laughs> it's, in, uh, it's, in, it's in the, it's in the genes. It's in there. He may be, maybe, you know what happened is he took all of the talent. He didn't leave me any. How dare he? Um, <laughs> hey, let's talk about a Seattle outfielder. Um, do you want to take a guess who that might be? Are we talking Tramel? What? Who says Tramel first? You must have read the, the notes for the episode here. Most people- oh, 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 I got a different one. <laughs> How about uh, Kellenick? Are we speaking, yeah, th- are we talking that's about what I'm saying. Jared Kellenick? I- we were bringing up a Seattle outfielder. I think most people are thinking Kelnick. I think most people maybe think Julio, but no, we want to talk Taylor Trammell. But it's a good thing because it looks like he's going to be the starting outfielder at probably right field, uh, maybe even left field for the Seattle Mariners. So of those stud prospects, he is the first one up. He's had a really good spring. It is his third team before ever even making his debut in the majors. That's a little concerning. But what do you think Tramel does for his debut here in 2021, assuming he gets the full-time gig? Well, Tramel, I think that his number one weapon is his speed, and I think he's going to have a great year, uh, hopefully atop that lineup in Seattle. They're on, uh, they're on their way back up the, uh, the totem pole. No longer are they uh, harnessing draft picks. I mean, they still are because Depoto is – is uh, is your quintessential GM who loves to you know um, mix things up and 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 make a lot of deals. But uh, I think Tramel has a great future, especially in Seattle. I just think it's a great fit for him. He's uh, he's the only player that I can think of off the top of my head that has made two futures uh, game appearances, and to do that uh, two years in a row, it, it says something. And I think that's that's what uh, Depoto in Seattle. Uh, saw it in him, so uh, let him let him go, let him fly, let him let's see what uh, what he what he does in 2021. Hey Nate, did you rank the organizational uh, rankings for the site? The uh, the team organizations? Yeah, the team. Yeah, no, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't publish that, but I have a general. Uh, I, I have I have my tops, you know. Where do you put the Mariners at? I'm just curious. I put them. No lower than three. Yeah. I have them number one. I yeah. Just, I think you're absolutely right. They are up. They are on the up and up. They're probably not there this year. Although, you know what? I, I like 
I like the Angels this year and, of course, the Astros, so I, I don't think that they can overcome both of those teams. But you're right, absolutely, coming up in the future here, they're going to be up there, I think, with the White Sox, with the Padres, as just constant contenders. Uh, let me move on here to the last piece of information, then we'll let you guys take a listen to that Tyler Freeman interview. I know that's why I would be listening. Uh, that guy's a <laughs> stud, so <laughs> I don't want to delay any longer. But first, I do want to mention really quickly, Austin Nola had – a fractured left middle finger. He is the catcher for the San Diego Padres. I bring this up because that does mean a potential opening for Luis Camposano, one of my top prospects for the Padres. And I don't think that it's going to be a, you know, a season long thing or even a multiple month injury for Nola, but I think that it might allow Camposano to make a statement early on, especially for dynasty owners, even redraft owners that, you know, skip out on catcher, they go the no catcher route, and then all of a sudden they need to find somebody. He's a good option you might want to look at there. I think that he that is ready, and they're going to have some time there because the only guy standing in his way now is Victor Carantino, who is not a bad player by any means. I just don't know if you want him playing, you know, as, as often as possible. I think he will give way to Camposano, who is a good, good prospect. I know some of his shine wore off for some reason because of, you know, some legal things off the field, but his talent didn't change. So you may like him a little bit less as a person, but I think his baseball skills are, are pretty much intact. So um, that's about it. Let me go. Uh, let me go ahead and play that Tyler Freeman interview. I think you guys are really going to like it. And afterwards we'll meet you back here and Nate, you ready to go over some risers and fallers for spring training after. Indeed. Indeed. Okay. Beautiful. We'll be right back after this with Tyler Freeman. All right, I am joined here with Tyler Freeman, shortstop for the Cleveland Indians. According to our website, he is going to be a future perennial all-star Tier one prospect. Tyler, thank you so much for coming on. How are you doing uh, this evening? Doing great. Just got back from the field and uh, just about to relax right now, but having, having to start, let's get this interview going. Awesome. I will start the interview here with a, the best compliment that I could possibly give you. And in my mind, without a doubt, you are easily the second best shortstop in Etiwanda High School history. So. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm <laughs> guessing the first is you. Yeah, of course. I mean, I obviously you saw all of my records littered across the campus when you were there. Um, and I'm sure you've broke, <laughs> broken every single one of them. No, I didn't have many records. But no, it's just kind of funny that we have, uh, you know, the same high school background. We play the same position and how different our lives have gone in terms of baseball, at least. But again, we really do appreciate you coming on. And uh, just a couple of things to, to go over here. And and again, Appreciate you taking some time. You're having quite a spring. Let's start out with that. How uh, how are you feeling this spring? How's the swing feeling? The results have been sensational so far. Yeah, you know, at first it was it was it just felt like you know getting back into the swing of things. You know, you're gonna feel rusty at first, and then uh, you know, it's honestly been really comfortable uh, going to my first uh, big league camp and uh, getting to know a lot of the guys well, and uh, they just made it super comfortable to just settle in and you know let me play my game and. Uh, you know, the results have been showing and hopefully they could uh, carry on into the season. Absolutely. And then what do you think has carried over from the alt side? I think I want to start there. Um, you had a fantastic showing in the alternative uh, site 
with a lot of power showing, do you think a lot of that momentum is carried on to spring training? And if so, like what have you taken from that approach that maybe you got from last year into this year? Yeah, absolutely. I, um, I think I just opened up, you know, the pull side more in my game. Um, I was, uh, you know, very inside out swing at my approaches, right center and stuff. And, uh, you know, uh, I honestly learned, uh, hit with some coaches in Texas and, uh, really teaching me how to, you know, catch the ball out in front. And I think that's kind of carried on to those power numbers. Um, still stick with my approach though. Um, you know, just, just little tweaks here and there. It wasn't necessarily a swing change, just more of kind of like a little approach change. And, uh, you know, it's, it's carried, it's carried on into spring so far. And, uh, Hopefully, like I said, carries on to the season. So the other thing I wanted to touch on with that, because it, it does sound like you're making a concentrated effort for that pull side to get a little bit more of that power. But also, what do we make of these baseballs? Uh, what, you know, they, are they really making a big difference? Do you notice anything? What can you tell us about that? And what do you think the new ball is going to look like for 2021? Uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a baseball. It's, it's, it's a little different from the minor league balls. You could, you can, you can tell a little bit, but, um, you know, the new changes here, I, they, I think they said they dented them a little bit. Um, I, I, some reports or whatever said that, but, um, you know, it's, it, it, they all feel the same. It's, it's so weird, but, uh, I guess it just, it comes off the bat a little different and, uh, I, yeah, I, that's all I could say about that. I don't know either. I think I'm seeing some guys just fly out to the second baseman opposite field and they're going over the fence. So <laughs> I don't think much has changed either, but um, let me read you. Let me read you uh, your report here on our site prospects 1500 here and, and tell me what you think about this write up. You are the number three prospect on the list. Uh, to be honest, I would put you number one. I don't know what Jim's thinking here, but you are, you are number three, um, but you are a tier one prospect which again means that, you know, we expect you to make multiple all-star teams. Um, so here's the write-up. Freeman not only moves up the list, but he moves into tier one for one reason, power. Freeman has always been an exceptional hitter, but his power has been lacking. Reports out of the alternate site indicate he hit eight home runs in the shortened season. If Freeman can maintain the power surge, he's suddenly a middle infielder with a 300 batting average and 20 home run potential. A 2-3 punch of Tyler Freeman and Jose Ramirez should give the Indians fans plenty to be excited about. So what are your thoughts on that write-up? Yeah, it's, it's, it's really humbling uh, to hear that stuff. And, uh, you, know, uh, you know, like I said, it's a lot of hard work still got to be put in uh, for all that stuff. And, you know, my game obviously isn't the power game. Um, I'm going to still stick with my same approach as, you know, going gap to gap. If the ball goes out, it goes out. Um, you know, I, yeah, I've made some tweaks here and there on approach based stuff, but, uh, you know, if, if it happens, it happens, you know, I, I'm, like I said, I'm still 21, 20, 22 years old. Um, and I know the strength's going to come within age. It's, 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 I, from what many coaches have told me in the past and I'm still believing them and it's, it's so true. It's, you know, power, I think is the last tool to develop and, uh, in an athlete. So, uh, you know, I'm sticking by that. Like I said, I'm still going to put the work in. And uh, hopefully, you know, it carries on into to a uh, Cleveland Indian roster one day. And, uh, yeah, if I was the number two hitter and Jose Ramirez was a three hitter, you know, that, that's, a, that's a blessing right there. But, um, like I said, I just got to keep working. Absolutely. Can we talk a little bit more about that approach? Your hit to has, has always been what's really separated you from the crowd. We just don't see that type of hit tool very often with young guys. And 
like you said, 21, 20, you're, you're super young. Um, what do you think has really established that hit tool for you? What do you think has given you the most success? You know, I, I carry it back to my youth ages. Um, you know, my dad has always told me, like, you got to be your own player. Like, a lot of people are going to try changing you here and there. You know, at a young age, I wouldn't strike out a lot. And he's like, you just got to you got to keep that going forward from for, from here on out for as long as your baseball career is. And, you know, he's always reminded me, you know, just put the bat on the ball. You know, a lot of coaches uh, everywhere, they're always talking about the power, the power. But also what comes with power is strikeouts. And, you know, a lot of people are kind of sh shying away from the game because, you know, it's a strikeout game now. And, you know, and, um, you know, I'm like for me, for instance, I'm going to put the bat on the ball and I'm going to put the bat of the, the ball in play. And, you know, hopefully they squeak through and stuff. And uh, but but like I said, yeah, it was it was my dad for sure. He um, he grinded my 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 hit tool. He always tell me to put the ball in play and stuff. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what I've liked about you from, again, we're a fantasy dynasty prospect. So power is always going to be one of the things. But it seems like power is the easy thing to find. And it's the guy that can hit 300 is the thing that is like the white whale now. And so you've had that. We're not worried about that going anywhere anytime soon. So it's really good to hear that, you know, you kind of are being your own player. I love that. And then you mentioned your dad as well. Let's go to the family here. And you have your brother, Cody. What can you tell us about him? Can you give us a little scatter report on your uh, on your bro? Yeah, he's, I'll tell you one thing. He's a little fireball. <laughs> but uh, he, he's, he's a grinder, man. That guy, he, I'm super close with him. You know, today, actually, they had their, their little uh, B game going on, and I went to go watch him play. And um, and he's he's transitioning from an infield to a catcher right now. Um, he looks really good behind the plate. It looks like he he's always caught. It's, he's picked it up so easy. And uh, now a little scout report also. You know he's he uses all parts of the field when he hits. He's not the tallest guy, but he's he's thick. He's he's got the lower half for sure. And uh, I think I think one day he will also be an all star. He he's 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 on the right track for sure. Awesome. I kind of want to know what you mean by the fireball. You have a, a Cody Freeman story or anything that you can share on air? Yeah, you know, uh, let's see. Just growing up, we would play. We would play on the same travel ball team. When I was, I want to say, on my first travel ball team, I think I was eight or nine, he was – they brought him on that same travel ball team. And the the pants he put on, they looked like they, they were huge on him. The jersey was just huge. But he wasn't the tallest guy either, and he was just like I said, he was a little fireball. He will, he'll always start some fight. In high school, we were up the middle together, and uh, you know he would always start those fights, <laughs> or not fights, but like arguments with the other teams, being that little fireball, that instigator. <laughs> I'll tell you, at Rancho Cucamonga High School, they're always starting stuff. I'll tell you. Uh, exactly. <laughs> actually, it was Los Osos for us. Those, those punks. <laughs> um. Let me move on here. I, I've been really interested in this topic here, and that is what it's like to be a shortstop in the system that has Francisco Lindor as the starting shortstop. So I got a two-part question for you. Number one, what was it like knowing that Francisco Lindor is the guy that's on top of the depth chart? And like, how do you possibly compete with that? Um, and then what was it like when he was traded? Did that give you a lot of confidence? Is that kind of like a shout out to you saying, you know what? We love Lindor, obviously, but we got this guy down on the farm, Freeman. He's going to be up and he's going to make people forget about Lindor real quick. 
Right, right. You know that when he when he was with us, obviously I was I was below him, and um, you know it was just take everything I can from him, and you know it's something I can't control about you know moving up or trying to beat him out or something. It, it's just it's something I can't control. Um, so you know I I just tried taking in as much as I could with him, and he was one of the greatest teammates I've ever had. I mean, going in like I would I would back up some of the spring training games. Um, wasn't it wasn't on uh, in big league camp or anything but they would call up some of the minor leaguers to back up games and he was always holding conversations with me saying like yeah you make sure you're doing this make sure you're doing that um what do you see in this guy that he what, he, what is he throwing what, what's your approach here you know it's just being a really good teammate and um like when he moved to the mets um you know it, it yeah it, it opens up some spots but in the end you still got to earn it and um you know i it was it was more of a bummer because you know he was such a great teammate and it's something that's something you just can't like can't really replace. I mean he's I guess he's one of the best players in the game and you know it's it, it sucks that he left but uh, you know it, maybe it opens up some doors for for other guys too to step in. Yeah, I mean he's a face of baseball, not not just the organization, but he is definitely a face of of baseball. So and heard that multiple times from hundreds of people, just how, how awesome of a dude he is. But you said it's, you know, it does open up some spots for you, but this system is loaded with middle infielders. Um, what can you tell us about some of these guys? I know some of them are a little newer, you know, Jimenez is coming over in that Lindor trade. Um, you have, you know, Bracco, Gabriel Arias, who is a, a Padre that I was following very closely until he was traded to the Indians as well. What do you what do you think of some of your other fellow middle infielder prospects? And can you give us a little lowdown on them? Yeah, absolutely. So um, being in big league camp with uh, Jimenez, it's it's been awesome. He's me and have been holding so many conversations, just like just what we do different on the field, and you know what we share with each other. Um, Jimenez is very special. He's so talented, and um, you know someone I seriously look up to when when i'm watching him play i just i try to soak in everything from him too um arius is unbelievable <laughs> coming in from the padres that guy he he picks up a stick and he he swings it and uh and also his arm is probably one of the best in the organization he he has a rifle <laughs> he can pick it too um owen miller also he was from the padres in that trade he that guy's a grinder he plays all parts of the infield he swings it very well picks it well um, we got guys like Ernie Clement, who just hits everything in sight. <laughs> um, Bracho, same thing, um, just grinders. And, you know, it's very, very exciting to be an Indians fan right now because there's there's a lot of guys that are in the system right now that are, you know, ready to make that jump. Yeah, I mean, and we, we didn't even mention, mention Carson Tucker, who was just drafted. Angel Martinez, who is down there. You know, in the DSL, and I love the Owen Miller shout out. He's another guy that I was just really sad to see go um, from the Padres. Of course, you know, getting a Mike Clevenger back is not a bad consolation prize, but those were some fun guys to follow. Um, I also wanted to ask, uh, maybe you don't have as much insight, and that's totally fine if you don't. But like last week on our podcast, we were discussing how the Indians are so great at the middle infield prospects, obviously, but also the pitching has just been incredible this last couple of years. And I just want to know why, <laughs> how are they able to develop these guys and turn a guy like Shane Bieber, who comes out of UCSB as, you know, a decent player. And now he's the best pitcher in baseball. Like, how is this happening? What is, what can you give us, 
in terms of uh, what's going on behind the scenes, maybe a little bit of this pitching development in Cleveland. Right, right. And so I'm I'm a little bit like away from the pitching side, obviously, because I'm like an infielder and stuff. But the one thing that I do see is they treat every pitcher like like they're the man, like as in they just they try to make every single they, I don't want to say this. They try to make every pitcher like the best of their ability. They they work in in and out with their grips and all that stuff. How to get the best out of their fastball? How to get the best out of their curveball? Um, I just always see them holding conversations with them and fixing their stuff and just trying to get the best out of them. And that's it's day in and day out. Whether it be a bullpen or live BPs and stuff like that, it's just they're 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 really smart with their stuff and just like I said they're just they're trying to maximize every pitcher's potential and they just dive into some things I guess that other teams don't so with that being said who gave you the most trouble in the alt camp that you had to face maybe a a couple of sleepers that people need to be aware of yeah absolutely so I'll give one Sam Henches that guy he's he was just out on the 40 man this year. He is a super tall lefty. And I'm telling you, this guy is going to be something very special for the Indians. He's disgusting. And um, I, that's, that's all my number one, Nick Sandlin as well. I had trouble with him. He's one of our relief pitchers. He throws about three quarters. Um, he's, he's disgusting. Um, who else did I face? Um, face Logan Allen. Logan Allen's disgusting. Um, you know, we, we have great guys. I mean, our pitching staff is loaded and we have so many guys in the system that are just going to be so special. The question is, which Logan Allen? <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen I haven't seen the other Logan Allen pitch yet. May, maybe one time in instructs. But um, that, yeah, that was, that was pretty much it. What about I, I don't know if you faced him or not, but Joey Cantillo, he is another guy that I was very high on. Um, I think he just needs to add a little velocity and he's going to be. Uh, a stud what do you did you happen to face him yeah yeah he I, I actually faced him when he was in fort wayne too um he got he got me out. i think i went oh for three against him he he, he struck me out too his changeup is really good that, that's that pitch is it's really good it plays very well off his fastball and i'm, I'm pretty i'm almost positive there that his velocity is going up anyways like i'm not worried one bit he's he's gonna be something very special for us yeah, that's what I was thinking, too. He's just such a big guy that mm-hmm. for him to be throwing, he was throwing 87, 88 when I was you know, following him in San Diego. It just it just has to go up with some better coaching. And then then you add the fact that you have like the best coaching in Cleveland. And I think the, the ceiling is really high for that guy. Yeah. Um, speaking of which, uh, in the alt site, what was that like? I mean, we didn't as fans, you know, we didn't get to see too much. We saw videos here and there, maybe surfacing on Twitter, but. What was it like? Do you think it was? Uh, well, let me answer, let me have you answer that question first, and I'll have a follow up for that. What was it like at the outside? Yeah, it was it was a gr- it was a grind for sure. I mean, one of our coaches who moved on, he's with the Orioles now. Um, he described it perfect. It was like, hey, this is going to be the toughest two months or however long we were there, two months of your guys' entire career because you're going to be trying to grind and like try to get better from a lost season and. You know, the, the coaching staff made it made it aware that they're going to grind on you. Like we're gonna take a lot of ground balls, we're gonna take a lot of a lot of swings. We're gonna we're gonna do do our best to get better, and um, that's what we did. You know, we we had to do all the testing and stuff. We played games every single day, um, whether it be against the San 
some guys, but um, you know, we we really developed on a lost season. We we definitely took it as a chip on the shoulder and to move and to get better. And uh, it was we were there from the morning to about I want to say th- two or three o'clock, and it was just pure grind. Yeah, not used to waking up that early, I bet, <laughs> during yeah. the regular season. Um, you said lost season there, and that's kind of, you know, what, especially us here at the site, we wanted to see these prospects develop, and every season that they can is just vital. So do you think it truly was a lost season in terms of development for guys, or do you think it was you were able to replicate the same sort of development you would have got with a full minor league season, no interruptions? I feel like if if you took that season and you either you went to the alternate side or you're at home, it's what you put into it. If I mean this is, I mean it's our job technically, and it doesn't feel like it. But if if we're gonna view it as that, you're gonna do what you can to get better. And I, I'm telling at the alternate side, it was not a lost season. We put in the work day in and day out, um, trying to get better, still focusing on mechanics, doing all that stuff. Um, you know, improving arm strength, doing, improving on the field, different positions, you know, stuff like that. I, I don't think it was a lost season for, for, for us at the alternate side. I mean, I couldn't, I, I couldn't say the same for guys at home because I don't know what they did. I, I have no clue, but I, I feel like guys really put in the same amount of work that they did, whether they be home or at the alternate side. You know what? Hearing you say that does make me and probably the rest of our writers here on staff really happy because. You know, guys, we just wanted to see get better. We we know these guys are good, and sometimes we have our guys like my guy was Hudson Head, Padres guy. Everybody knows I'm the Hudson Head guy, and he just could have used a whole year of high end talent um, coming at him. And and but you know you got to do what you got to do, and so it's really good to hear that you know you get what you put into it. I just hope that those guys that didn't get a chance to go to the outside, that's you know like you said, you got to do the work yourself and. It is a job, I guess, like you said, and hopefully those guys can come back firing for 2021. Speaking of 2021, and we'll let you go here maybe after this question. Uh, do again, you know, take I don't want to take up too much of your time. I know you kind of have the rest of the night off after a, a spring training. Um, but, um, you know, what do you think is happening in 2021? Have you gotten any idea of where you're going to be assigned? Is there any talk of maybe making it up to the big sooner rather than later? What What do they tell you? Honestly, there hasn't been much said. Um, we we ask them on teammates, hey, have you guys heard anything? And it's always no, like they haven't told us anything yet. So, but seriously, I, I have no answer for that. Um, you know, hopefully, what we put on our, our work that we put in, they'll it, it it'll stay on the field. But uh, you know, we should know here soon. I think as camp's nearing to an end or coming to an end, um, I bet you guys would we'll figure out here soon. All right, Tyler, really do appreciate you coming on. It's been a blast. I, I learned a lot of this, you know, the inside behind the scenes. So appreciate you sharing that. Wish you the best. I really think that you're in for a, a huge 2021. I got you on a couple of my dynasty teams. I've had you for a while. I think, uh, you know, if that I, I know the power is real. I don't think that the power is real. I know the power is coming and you're going to be that perennial all star that, you know, a lot of us on staff see you as. So, um, Tyler, thank you so much for coming on. It is an absolute pleasure to have spoken with you representing the Etowanda Rancho Cucamonga life. So 
Again, thank you so much for coming on. We're going to be right back here to talk about some rising and falling prospects. Of course, Tyler Freeman's probably rising up the ranks, as you could probably imagine by now. But we'll be right back right after this. Don't go anywhere. All right, that was Tyler Freeman, shortstop for the Cleveland Indians. Again, want to thank him for coming on. Great, great interview. Great, great player. He is. He was already moving up my list, even though he was. I think I had him in the 40s, and now he's he's probably creeping up to the 30s. That interview certainly will help as well. But uh, we have more to talk about. We have prospects. Of course, this is the podcast for your your dynasty prospect love. And I wanted to spend some time talking about guys that have impressed us in the spring, guys that maybe have been disappointing us in the spring. And of course, there's the caveat that everything we've seen in spring training, we are blowing way out of proportion because we haven't seen baseball in terms of prospects for a year and a half now. And everything they're doing seems incredible. Or if they're really bad, it seems like they're the worst player ever. (laughs) um, Nate, um, I wanted to start with your guy, and this is a little bit of cheating because he isn't technically a prospect any longer, but to me, I still view him as somebody that, you know, you can build a dynasty team around, and that's Gavin Lux. Mm-hmm. So as the Dodger guy, um, tell me about what you think Lux is, is going to bring to the table. In my mind, I view Lux as a, a very good buy candidate right now. I, fe- I feel like he's not the same price as he was a year ago. And he's had a fantastic spring. I know you've probably watched him more, so maybe you can give some more details on exactly how well that spring it has been going for him or if it's more of smoke and mirrors. But Gavin Lux, second baseman Dodgers, go. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you're right. You will be getting a hell of a discount this year compared to last year, especially in dynasty leagues for Gavin Lux. Uh, he has had... The best, this is, in my opinion, this is the best Gavin Lux that we've seen since 2019. Um, he feels, it, 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 it appears as if he looks comfortable now. Uh, last year with COVID, I know that he was on the restricted list. He showed up late for a few things, and then uh, spring was shut down. Then he came back for the summer camp. He was late for that as well, and uh, nothing seemed to be going his way whatsoever uh, for whatever reason. Uh, still unbeknownst to me and most Dodger fans. Um, however, it doesn't matter because now we're in 2021. We have spring training. It's back. It, it feels more regular. It feels more normal, and I feel like we're now seeing the true Gavin Lux and what he can actually do on the field. Thus far, he's had 25 at-bats. He's scored eight runs. He has nine singles in those 25 at-bats, only one double and nothing further than that. However, in my opinion, this is exactly what I want to see from Gavin Lux. I want to see him hitting the ball hard up the middle, through the gaps in the infield, and that power, it's, it hasn't gone anywhere. The power will come. But the best part about Lux is that he can hit 330 if he's really on his stuff. And with that, you can get 25 to 30 home runs out of him. So you absolutely want to buy into Gavin Lux right now. Um, 
he, uh, he he's smiling. He's having a good time out there. And, and most importantly, he's confident. Uh, last year, we did not see that whatsoever. But this year, he uh, it's not smoke and mirrors. This is the Gavin Lux we, we've all been waiting for. Absolutely. I think that there's always the next prospect up, and prospect fatigue is a real thing. To me, he's still a prospect, even though I know he's not eligible. But go out and try to get Gavin Lux if you can. I think that he is a great bounce-back candidate. Moving on here, I want to talk about a San Diego Padre here. I don't talk too much Padres on this. I try to keep it in check. But there is one guy that's really jumping out to me. And I bring him up because he actually does remind me of Tyler Freeman, a guy that, you know, has a huge, magnificent hit tool. And this guy is Tuca Pita Marcano, the prospect for the Padres. Again, he plays second base. Uh, he has that hit tool as well. He has hit... Th- 395, 314, and 270 in the last three stops of the minor leagues dating back to 2018. The question again with him, just like it was for Freeman, is will the power be coming? Um, We haven't seen the jump in power that we've seen in Freeman, to, to be fair, but I feel like it's just a matter of time. He's had a fantastic spring. He's hitting 435. That's with 27 plate appearances, so it's not just luck. And I feel like he gets lost in the shuffle because we have C.J. Abrams, who we're going to talk about here in a second. We have Fernando Tatis. We have Machado. We have Mackenzie Gore. It's like, where does this guy fit in long term or even in the, the you know short term? Where is this guy going to fit in? But he's somebody that you really need to keep an eye on. Uh, we have some Marcano lovers in our uh, in our writer's block and Prospects 1500 as well. I know uh, I've been... Uh, I've been up and down on him. I'm not going to lie, but I think I'm I'm trending back towards being up on this guy. So, again, hit tools with a little bit of speed. You know, you're going to get 20, 25 stolen bases. And if that power comes, there's really nothing else left for him to improve upon. He's going to be everything that you need in a dynasty prospect. Uh, moving on to the San Francisco Giants. Staying in Cal- I guess we're doing nothing but California teams. We did the, <laughs> we did the Padres. Mm. Now we're moving up to the Giants. Um, I mean, two California guys. There's no. Yeah, it, it makes it makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> Better than talking about Brewers prospects all the time. Am I right? <laughs> nah. Sorry. That was a low blow. David can't defend himself. <laughs> I'm going to hear about it next week for sure. For sure. For sure. That, But um, San Francisco Giants, uh, it's Helio Ramos. And he's a guy, again, that had a little bit of a dip, but now is having a, fanta- a fantastic spring training. He's had a a game where he's hit two home runs. He's a guy that was drafted in the first round in 2017. And power-speed combo. He's hitting 385 in the spring. What are your thoughts on Helio Ramos? Were you high on him? Have you gone back and forth? Are you bringing him up your rankings? Yeah. Tell me about what you think about him. Um, to be honest, maybe a couple of years ago, I wasn't the highest on Ramos. Um, just nothing really. I know that he had a hard time. Say, let's see here. It looked like 2018. He had a hard time, but then he then he trended back up in 2019 uh, when he was at high A. But then he got to double A and he kind of hit a wall. And uh, usually you can see that that transition. I've always been told and I've heard that 
uh, a player's transition from high A to double A or in, from any of the A's to double A is always when you're going to is always when you're going to, you know, separate the man from the mice. However, uh, Ramos was all of 19 when he was in double A. So I always have to remind myself of that. He does not look like a 19 year old. He's 5'9 at 233. He's kind of got that panda you know, that panda build a bit, but he's more, he's more built. He's more, uh, structured than panda, of course. Um, but I love, uh, Ramos. I just made a trade for him actually in the Zao dynasty in, in, uh, in the league we were talking about last week. Uh, he was the star player of the trade. I gave up Dylan Cease and I ended up getting Trammell and, uh, Ramos uh, the pitcher for the A's uh, organization, uh, what's his name, uh, Dalton Jeffries, and one more prospect, I forgot who it is, but uh, Ramos is definitely the star of, of that trade, and it's because of the spring. Now, we, we like to say that we overreact with the spring, but when it comes to youngsters, when it comes to kids that, you know, struggle in AA when they're 19, and you don't get to see a whole lot of them. And then they come in, and it's 2021, and they're facing major league talent, and they put up the numbers that Ramos is putting up. There's nothing but excitement to be had, in my opinion. You know, he could very easily go out and go over 20, but he hasn't. He's done the exact opposite of such. So then you start to believe in whatever the scouts saw and whatever uh, the GMs and, and, and the front office in San Francisco saw. And uh, for me, he's looking like a uh, a bona fide stud already at yeah. the, the 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 ripe old age of 21. Yeah, I mean it's been an up and down journey as well. Um, you, did you say he was five nine? Mm-hmm. Uh, I got about six one. I'm just gonna oh, well, make sure. <laughs> I'm throwing out Baseball America right under the bus. Five nine two thirty three. What up? I just, wow. I yeah. Two thirty three. I have. <laughs> That's crazy. I have baseball reference at 6'1", 188, which looked, I mean, I've seen him. That's what he looks like. And Roto-Wire also has the exact same thing. So one of baseball America or, or baseball reference is wrong. Either way, embarrassing for one of the two, I'll be honest with you. They're not even close. No, no. But he doesn't, he looks, he looks like a, a chiseled type of like receiver. You know, he looks like one of those types. So, um, I don't think he's 5'9". I think he definitely is 6'1". Um, but anyway, no, what you're saying is accurate. I want to focus on that, really, is that when these young guys are coming up in the minors, and I think the next two guys are perfect examples of that. Those two guys are C.J. Abrams and Bobby Witt Jr., that when they come up and they perform well above average, and we're talking you know, hitting 300, hitting multiple bombs, showing off defensive range and making some noise on the base pass, that's something to take note of that. We just can't write that off. You don't accidentally do that at 19 and 20 and 21 years old. Now, if we're looking at somebody like, uh, I'm just going to throw a name out there and Ronald Acuna and he, he comes out of the spring and he's hitting, you know, 150 and he's striking out a bunch. Uh, does that mean I'm down on Ronald Acuna? No, I, I, I don't care about major leaguers in spring training. I do care about the minor leaguers in spring training. I think that's what you're saying. Again, mm -hmm. in the, the flip side, I think you, you touched on that too, is that if they come up and struggle, I'm also not panicking. I'm not going too far in the other direction. I'll, I'll go ahead and start getting this hype train going 
because that Bobby Witt hype train is getting Ooh. out of out of control right now. I'm hearing I'm hearing top five prospects um, in the game for Witt, and I don't know if I disagree to be honest. So no, uh, let's way. just talk about Witt right now. I think we yeah. have to take some time. Um, I wanted to get Michael Kelly on here too. He's our Royals uh, beat guy at the site, um, but it literally would have been just. Bobby Witt talked for 45 <laughs> minutes. I, I love this kid. I think he's great. I loved him when he was drafted. And I love the fact that, you know, he took 2019 to just bulk up and get even better than we, we thought he could be. He had a, you know, okay, uh, actually, you know what? I shouldn't misspeak. Um, but uh, I'm going to look up his debut stats. But tell me what you think about Witt's uh, spring training right now and how and yeah. how high he is for you. Yeah, to me – Bobby Wood is every bit of a top five prospect. You could even put him in the top three for me. I'd make an argument for pretty much anybody in, in baseball right now for Bobby Wood Jr. Um, I have a theory that any, any, uh, any, uh, any son of a major league baseball player, you know, like Bobby Witt, his father, who was a pitcher in the, I think it was a pitcher in the bigs for a long time. Uh, Cody Bellinger's dad, uh, Bo Bichette, Dante Bichette, of course, Vladito uh, and Vladimir Guerrero. Um, I, I, I have a very, I have this, <laughs> this theory going that these kids, these players, they're given every opportunity in the world to play Major League Baseball because of the fact that they grew up uh, along, uh, uh, amongst the players in the dugouts, in the in the um, uh, the locker room, on the field. They made friends with other uh, kids that were, you know, sons of ball players. And when they get to the age of now themselves being big leaguers. There's this different aura of confidence that they just that they have, and it's I can't even call it an X factor because other prospects have X factors. It's like X, Y, and Z factor. And when somebody like Bobby Wood Jr. comes up, and he he has a grand total of 37 games, pro games under his belt thus far. We have to remember that this kid came out of high school, and he has 37 professional games, and they were Arizona rookie games. Now, let's not get it mistaken with double A AA or triple A. These were Arizona rookie games. And then COVID struck. He took the time to get everything right. The stuff that he needed to get right, he got it. He bulked up. I saw a video of him that came out about six months before spring training. I said, Jesus, who is this guy? <laughs> he, mm -hmm. he looked twice the size of the Bobby Witt that I remember from two years ago. And the defense, the 480-foot, 485-foot <laughs> home run, I mean, that was it. The, I, I saw that 485-foot homer because that was my only real question, and it wasn't even really a question because, you know, we've seen him in all of 37 games before spring training, right? And even those games we couldn't really see because it was Arizona Rookie League. So to have a coming out like this, and he's doing everything right he's forcing kansas city's hand to break with the club out of spring which is essentially unheard of it's like ken griffey jr type type ascension that we're talking about and uh i i can't say enough good things about him his, his uh 
His walk and strikeout rate is almost, uh, I think they're almost parallel with each other. At least the last time I checked, they were. No, I'm oh, sorry. Ten, no, ten I'm strikeouts sorry. to two yeah, walks. Ten, yeah, 10Ks, two walks. It was, it was more parallel earlier, earlier mm-hmm. in the spring. But, you know, he, he's, he's got the most, I think he's got close to the most ABs in all of spring training right now. Uh, nine runs, seven singles, three bombs, seven ribbies, two walks. He's got a 273 ISO. Just hasn't had a steal yet. Other than that, I mean, literally every box is checked. So I am so on the Bobby Witt Jr. Mm-hmm. train. It's not even I'm, I could be the conductor. It's so hard to steal when you're dropping 480 foot bombs. I'll just <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah. And um, somewhere, you know, I think Tory Hunter Jr. is cussing you out a little bit for your, <laughs> your, your comments earlier. But Witt Jr., these junior guys, they're, they're just a lot of fun. For one, like we grew up watching their dads like, and now right. we have to watch their sons. It's like bonus. It's like a bonus episode of these guys. And, and half the time they're even better, which yeah. is tough, tough to, tough to say. But yeah, I think Bobby Witt in the minors at a, as a 19 year old, when I saw him, he looked like a high school kid mm-hmm. and he still hit 260, stole nine bases, you know, had a, a good showing as a debut, but now he looks like a major league baseball player. He like yeah. he looks like one now, so Absolutely. it's very exciting. Um, I I kind of want to take your Bobby Witt hype train to the test here, but before we do, I want to talk C.J. Abrams, and then I want to know, you know, of the two, who you're going to take. But don't tell me quite yet because I want to sell the C.J. Abrams sure. train here. So C.J. Abrams, who actually, if we want to kind of parallel him to Bobby Witt, they, they're pretty similar in terms of position and. Skill set. Uh, and in the skill, well, I don't even know if the skill set is the same to start with, but in terms of the, you know, the trajectory was on the same path. Right. And so Abrams had a huge showing. Um, we're going to talk debuts. In 2019, his debut was uh, 393. Um, Jeez. Yeah, three home runs, 15 stolen bases, and as an 18 year old. So mm-hmm. we were already impressed with Witt doing what he was doing. Um, and then, so Abrams did that. So that's what got me really taking a look at this guy. Um, and the, the question was always with him because he is a little bit slighter, you know, and, and in terms of weight, he's got, he's six, two. I mean, he's not short, short, but he was, you know, he's a slender guy. He's got the 80 grade speed. Everybody sees that, but it was the power. And in spring training this year, he is making a concerted effort to, to, silence those critics he has two home runs they were a three-run home run and a grand slam so he made them count mm-hmm. and it's really i mean that was the one thing you could argue is the power and if that's coming along and even it doesn't have to be you know bobby witt power because bobby witt power is probably 30 plus if it's 20 plus with abrams you're also getting 40 stolen bases he has three stolen bases this spring you're also getting a high batting average. Again, that batting average in the spring is at 257. It's a little lower now, but I think it's just to show that, you know, hey, look, guys, I can hit the ball out. He also has a triple to go along with that. So C.J. Abrams is kind of answering every question that people had out, and there's just there's there's getting to the point where there's not any questions left. And this is a guy is 20 years old again. Uh, I don't know where he's going to play right away. I don't 
care, to be honest. <laughs> he's going to get in the lineup. Like, people always give me that, oh, they're blocked by so-and-so. And yeah. Unless you're, like, a professional GM, like, who cares? <laughs> you don't have to worry about it. He's going to get playing time somewhere. So yes. he has been – I mean, for me, he was already – I don't – I think I want to put him fourth. But for you, I want to know about you. Is he ahead? Is he, is Bobby Witt ahead of him? He is, but not by much. And 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 I'm pro- I think I'm right there with you. I'd probably say three, four. If I can't even think of the other two, but right now, if we're just thinking Witt Abrams, they're 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 hand to hand, head to head. Abrams is is the 80 speed, and it's true 80 speed. This kid flies. Oh yeah. Uh, with the average. And now with the power, it doesn't matter where he plays. He'll play. Talent, it's a big difference between uh, fantasy baseball and fantasy football. Talent finds playing time in baseball. In football, you have to have playing time in order for the talent to emerge. But in baseball, the talent will find a position. And the same exact thing can be said for C.J. Abrams. So he'll be up. It may not be by the end of the season. I hope it is. I mean, I I know that there's plenty of injuries that happen throughout a 162-game season, and a lot of me wants to say that Abrams will be up. Uh, You're right. He hit 393 in 2019. He lit the world ablaze, and now he's starting to hit with power. I mean, the kid is an absolute five-tool stud. I still put Witt over him just if for no other reason – because of the position eligibility, usually you're going to get more bang for your buck if you get in the numbers that Witt's going to get you at short. If Abrams does go to center field, he is an outfielder. However, he's still a premier and elite outfielder. And uh, if for absolutely no other reason than that, just because of the pedigree, the thing that I was talking about earlier, you know, Ken Griffey, Ken Griffey Jr., uh, the father playing in the bigs and now the son. Um, but Abrams, forget about it. He is an absolute stud. Yeah. Uh, I, I want to kind of counter that just for a second because sure. if, he, if he sticks at second base, to me, there are less second basemen than mm-hmm. there are shortstops. So if he can stick at second, then I think that argument of, oh, Witt plays the more premium position kind of goes out the door. And I, I do think that second base is more likely, to be honest, just because – I, I like Jake Cronenworth. Don't get me wrong. He's fantastic. Is he a World Series starter? I'm not sure. Um, Han Sung Kyum has not had a good spring either. Like, there's they're they're not getting away in the way of Abrams if he's re- reaching a ceiling. You know, I would much I'll just put him there at second, and then Cronenworth can be a utility guy, or you can trade one of them. Yes. So, no, that's a good point. That's a very good point. Yeah. And what wouldn't you do to have Abrams and Tatis up that oh my middle? Gosh. Yeah. <laughs> With Machado at third? Oh. Yeah. Let me ask you this then, because I want to know how high you are on wit. Okay? Mm-hmm. So I'm going to start from the bottom to the top. Um, a guy I have ahead of wit is Marco Luciano. I'm assuming you have wit ahead of him. I do. Yeah. Just just because of the spring now. Okay. Luciano hadn't had a very good spring, but he's a, he is yeah. a stud. But yeah, I got wit ahead yeah. of him. I have Luciano as my number two uh, prospect. Um, what about Julio Rodriguez? Ooh, that's a tough one. That's a that is a real tough one. Um, 
Yeah, I put Wit ahead of Julio Rodriguez. Okay, fair enough. I, I, yeah, I don't know. Um, what about Kelnick? That's another really tough one. No, I, I put Kelnick ahead of Wit. And Franco ahead of him, I'm assuming. Yes, yes. So it's going Franco, Kelnick, Wit. Yep. Julio. Yep. Abrams. Abrams. Yep. Yep. Luciano. Yeah, and then Luciano. Six. Nobody else, no Vaughn or Rutschman that you're just throwing in ahead of there. I love, I love Vaughn. I'm not that huge on Rutschman, but uh, and Torque, you know, he'll get up there too. But mm-hmm. until I see a little bit more from them, uh, yeah, that's that's what yeah. I like. I think right now I'm at Wander, Luciano, Kelnick, Abrams, Wit. Fair that's enough. Where that's where I'm at. I'm gonna take, I'm gonna take the speed. Although, you know, Wit has speed, too. I, I mean, you can counter that for sure. Um, we've been too positive here. We've been too positive. <laughs> Let's go ahead and move over to the fallers here. And uh, two guys that, again, kind of maybe are cheating because they're not technically prospects, depending on what you want to say, is a prospect. But Dylan Carlson and Alex Kirilov, they've been two guys that have been struggling mightily in spring. I have high hopes for them in many dynasty <laughs> leagues that I'm in. So... <laughs> What are your thoughts on them? Are you a little worried about them, or are you everything's fine? Yeah, I'm not too worried about uh, Kirilov. Of the two, he's he's definitely my my favor. Uh, Twenty was it 2018 when he went off? I think it was 2018 when he really uh, he was hitting like 350 or 330 for most of the year and had 25, 30 home runs. That that season, I really bought into Kirilov. I know that he's had some injuries uh, and a few, you know, different things come up over the past couple of years. And of course, COVID. But uh, I like Kirilov's hit tool more than Carlson's, just period. And I always go with hit first, power second. The power is going to come, especially in today's game because of the the velocity that pitchers have. Uh, And if you could hit the ball, you could do damn near anything. In, in Major League Baseball, Carlson he does have a good hit tool, and I got you. You know, I love the the he is a switch hitter, right? Yes, um, he is. Yes, I love I that. Love, <laughs> I love the switch hitting. However, I just I just have a better feeling about Kirilov. I, I like I said, the hit tool first. I'm not saying Carlson's going to be a bad player by any stretch of the imagination. I just haven't seen it come to fruition yet, um, except for 2019. I, same can be said about Kirilov, but I just it's my it's just the gut instinct I have about him. Um, I, I like the Cardinals system, and I like the Twins system also, but I just feel like Kirilov has that has that nice beautiful lefty stroke that isn't going to go anywhere, and uh, and I don't think that you're going to have to teach him as many things as Dylan Carlson. Yeah, I think I was ready to panic on these two, but I'm not. I think they're both going to be great. Dylan Carlson, I'm. If you if you're worried about Dylan Carlson, just go look at 2019. Mm-hmm. 26 home runs, 20 stolen bases, um, 364 on base percentage in Double A, and then went up to Triple A. It went up to 418 on base percentage. So, Yeesh. and he struggled in a weird year last year, but he he figured it out at the end of the year. So I don't know what he's doing right now in spring training. He's you know he's hitting 192, no home runs, no stolen bases, but he might be a guy that you know he's already to the point where he knows he has a spot. He's not worried about it. So I'm not going to be worried about Carlson. 
I do think his floor is lower than Karloff, though. I will agree with you. I think Karloff's hit tool brings him to the point where, at worst, he'll be a 270, you know, 20 homer guy. Mm-hmm. Whereas Carlson's worst case is probably a little bit lower than that. So, if you want the safer play, Kirilov. Um, but I, I, I'm not worried about either of those guys. Um, mm-hmm. One guy I am worried about, though, uh, is Khalil Lee. He was the mm. speedy outfielder from Kansas City. They got traded to the New York Mets. And he has not had a hit yet in spring training. Mm. And he wasn't doing that great in terms of making the major leagues. He got traded from his, you know, the Royals. So a eh, little, little worried about him going forward. I think I might be off uh, entirely. But <laughs> this is what I do. I go back and I look. That guy stole 55 stolen bases in 2019. <laughs> so what do you think? You in or you out? You know, I I was in until he was traded to the Mets. <laughs> and this is why. He was a first or a second rounder with, with the Royals. And generally, when a team spends that type of a pick on a player, they're invested in him completely. Then they went and they traded him to the Mets. Now, the Mets outfield is certainly more crowded than the Royals outfield was. I felt like there was a better path for Lee to get to the bigs with the Royals, and I just liked him more as a Royal. Um, sometimes I feel like in certain cities, like Kansas City, the – the uh, the breadth of of mistakes possible is much larger than in a city like New York, even if it is the Mets, you know. So him coming out of the spring and not having a hit and multiple opportunities to do such uh, is a bit scary for me because, like him, I'm assuming he probably thought he was going to be a Royal for quite a bit. Um, they have quite a few different prospects that they could have moved, but they chose to get rid of Lee. Now, that hurts uh, your confidence. There's nothing that you could say that there's no player out there that says it doesn't. And, yeah, he's a speedster, but he didn't make enough contact in 2019. Uh, I think his on-base percentage was something like 273. That's just off the top of my head. <laughs> uh, um, not in 2019. No. What, what was it? 312? Three, 363. Oh, damn. He I had a good that. 2019. Yeah. How eight many homers, though? Eight. Eight? Yeah. It's, he has, <laughs> it's legit, he, man. He, eight, he has 850? More, oh, God. Eight home runs, 50 stone bases. He has more power than that, too, but that's mm-hmm. that's the thing. is that 17 he, home runs in 2017. Yeah. So you kind of got to wonder, what, you know, was it was it the increase or was it the change from – Leagues, perhaps. I, I don't know. I but mean, I, I just don't I don't like him with the Mets. I'm no. not a huge fan of the Mets. And, uh, yeah, I, I'm panicking on Khalil. Yeah, I wish him nothing but the best, though. Yeah, I, I, I do love seeing the Mets trade for a guy and then have him go hitless in the spring. I do, as a Braves fan. <laughs> I really enjoy that. <sighs> Man, I, I mean, I picked this list of guys that were not impressing me in spring training, but then it's like, 15 at bats in spring training yeah. or the 550 right at bats he had where he hit eight home runs and stole 50 bases if he did that in the majors if he was 10 home runs 40 stolen bases that's like a top 
two or three round pick. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's you're talking. You, you say let you, you get five more home runs. That's Whit Merrifield territory. Yeah. Whew. But uh, we'll see. We'll see. I, I I was like you too. I think I'm down on him as well. But if you like the speed, go ahead and and get after that guy because that speed should play. And you know, you said the outfield. You know, Mets. Brandon Nemo in center. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Block you blocking him a little bit, but I'm not, you know, if he Yeah, if he Nemo come, and then Conforto. Yeah, and, Conforto uh, and Smith and Yeah, and Smith. Smith in left, and then if the DH comes, I mean there's gonna be almost one, maybe two openings. So I don't know. Uh, he's down though. I think we can both agree he's down on yeah, our, he's, on our he's, list, but he's not he off. He's not he's not no, Forrest he's, Whitley off. <laughs> no, he's <laughs> no, he's not even no. close to Forrest Whitley off. All right, we're going to end the episode here with one more faller, and I just I have to mention him. It pains me. Um, I don't think I'll be able to sleep tonight, but it is Hudson Head, my guy, mm. my dude. Um, he's on here. You know, I, I'm probably way too high on him. Uh, I think I see him maybe 90s at the highest on some publications. For me, I have him in the 40s, you know, top 40 <laughs> prospect in the league. I just loved what he was doing in, in San Diego um got traded to pittsburgh of course and didn't even get invited to the major league camp he hasn't had an at bat in spring training that i you know we have data for uh he also you know we talked with tyler freeman about the alternative site and he had really positive things to say about it and almost all the prospects you know from quinn priester to matthew allen to anybody you can think of it was like man you should have seen him at the alt site they were throwing 100 <laughs> he hit mm-hmm. five home runs in one game this guy is <laughs> awesome now uh, except hudson head uh, everybody said he was trying <laughs> his swing looked off he couldn't hit the ball and like all these reports so it, it's they're reports that i wasn't able to see with my own eyes so i'm not gonna <laughs> just like give up and say i was wrong i mean i'll never say i was wrong on him <laughs> ever no, um, him and Austin Beck are my two that I'm going to just go forever with. But <laughs> um, Hudson Head, I'm definitely going to move him down a little bit. I'm going to stop getting so excited. Um, although, you know, I, I do follow him in on, on Instagram. He looks <laughs> yoked, man. He, he definitely has put on muscle. So maybe in my positive thinking world, he put on so much muscle, he's not quite used to it yet. And uh, they're just getting his, the feel for his body. Yeah. His, you know, his 20-year-old body. And um, – <laughs> And then that's only going to lead to, you know, his 30, 30 years that are going to be evident in, when he comes up. But yeah, stupid pirates. I'm sure the pirates will ruin him. That'll be the problem. Yeah, well, that's that's usually <laughs> how it goes in Pittsburgh. All right, Nate. Hey, I want to thank you so much for coming on. Appreciate you helping us out. Hey, um, we'll, have to see what, we'll have to see what David thinks. He might just, you know, give it up to you and, and you might be the new co-host or uh, he might say, nope, you're off, mate. <laughs> yeah, knows? you know. You know, there's always room for an extra voice as well. Absolutely. So you, you, you keep that into uh, consideration. Absolutely. David, if you made it this far, I do miss you. You've been a great co-host with me and I enjoy your time. So hope uh, you're enjoying your Arizona trip. I don't know if I mentioned that earlier or not, but um, he is in Arizona, spring training, Grand Canyon watching, all sorts of stuff, getting out of the, the sub-zero temperatures from Wisconsin and going to Arizona. So um, Nate, again, thanks for coming on. We're going to go ahead and uh, sign off here. And uh, thanks for listening. Appreciate your support. Again, five-star review if you can, if you would. And uh, check out the site, prospects1500.com. This is the Futures Focus Podcast. So my name is Alex Sanchez at Alex underscore W underscore Sanchez. Appreciate everything. And we will talk to you next week.